and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Toronto Till I Die podcast. This is a show for Toronto FC fans talking all things highs and lows about our beloved Toronto Football Club. But this week we are going all in on the Canadian men's national team. On this episode we're discussing uh, a recap of the 2-0 win uh, against Qatar in Vienna. We're pre previewing the big uh, friendly against Qatar tomorrow. Um, we are going to name our, well, the 22 are pretty much already locked, uh, but we're going to name the uh, the uh, a few extra players uh, heading to uh, Qatar, who we think will be joining uh, John Herdman and the boys on the plane. And I have some fun with stickers. I'll discuss that later. Um, but as per usual, uh, we were with Mike Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker, my co-host. Welcome back, Mr. Nesker. There it is. I, yeah, there it is. How's it going, guys? I, uh, I went to all the trouble to put my uh, hoodie behind me to get one TFC logo in, but I didn't do it well enough because it's completely blocked, so I just blurred my, uh, my background, which is probably a good idea as I'm at work and that could be industrial espionage. So let's just pretend... That it's uh, the old school TFC uh, logo in my in my apartment as opposed to over here. Fair Jeff, enough. we missed you, buddy. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. I mean, Newell's like as per usual, and I was like, uh, "What kind of usual?" I've been I know. I guess two weeks. I <laughs> but I saw you just on the week. I just saw you. The yeah, yeah. Week, TFC so. two, the most adorable pitch invasion in the history of all uh, global <laughs> soccer. There wasn't. A single person over the age of ten that invaded the pitch that game. It was uh, it was pretty fantastic. Uh, Did I'm you guys invade the pitch? You buried the no, lead. I wanted to. You I wanted to, it. and I you was I was I was I was soused enough that I would have had someone not stopped me. Um, I, I I'll be honest, guys. I'm gonna be playing catch up today. Uh, the most I've seen of the Canada Qatar game was like brief glimpses down here while I was cutting, and I watched the highlights this morning, but. I chose poorly. I chose the like one minute, 22 second one soccer highlights. So it's almost like I haven't seen the game at all. So, uh, you know, that's usual, right. what's uh, new? Uh, that, that, yeah, what, that's, what's yeah. new? That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I am usually the most prepared person on this show. Today, however, I see that to you two fellas. So, yeah, let's let's roll. Let's get right into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a quick, uh, a quick thing. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Jeffrey Piesper is cutting a movie right now. That's what he says cutting. It's about a movie. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah true. True. Yeah, true. Be, be very. Be shop very, talk. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah, yeah I just I skipped right into shop talk without without giving anybody yeah. the benefit. Of the exactly. Camera. Exactly. <laughs> and I yes, I did see this guy on Saturday. It was great to to catch up with him at BMO Field as Toronto FC uh, two moved on in the Eastern Conference. So we're not talking about that right now. We are talking can men's national team. 2-0 win over Qatar uh, last week, or on the weekend, sorry, um, uh, in Vienna. I think comfortable is the right word, uh, gentlemen. I'll, I'll see the floor to you. But, that I mean, I, I was kind of surprised on how comfortable the win was a little bit. I knew we sh probably should be Qatar, but um, I was surprised at the ease at which that win came am i a little crazy for thinking that no i think that was i think you're bang on but 
it was very comfortable for Canada. And I think that was the response that the team needed after a worrying window, an underwhelming window in June, right? Uh, I think a lot of pressure was on Canada to come out of the gates and get this right and remind everyone, hey, we're the we're the kings of CONCACAF. We're, we deserve to be here and we're, we're going to make some noise. So I think they came out with the statement and, you know, what I was really impressed with is heading into the game and I watched more film on Qatar than I'd probably like to admit. But what I know about Qatar and what I learned about Qatar is that they were a very potent attack, you know, dangerous in the counterattack. They really didn't uh, didn't let an opportunity slip by. They were quick to take shots, quick to take chances, and even dating back to the Gold Cup uh, in the summer when they went against the U.S. in the semifinals, they looked like the better team on that day and created a lot more chances. Now, Canada did an excellent job, and I was expecting a wide-open game, but Canada did an excellent job at sort of stifling everything that Qatar really had to to offer, and that's that was from the keeper out in, in Milan Borjan. I think he did a great job at you know slowing play down when it needed to be slowed down, uh, holding on to the ball at some times where you know, well, we've been prone to uh, some pretty poor goalkeeping. Um, and I think he did a really good job there. And of course, the, the the back line was was excellent in that regard. And I have to give a shout out to Sam Piet as well, who did a, yeah. again an excellent job at uh, playing that that role, that deep lying midfield role behind Stefan Estacchio and and freeing up Canada uh, moving forward. So, yeah, I think that's probably my biggest takeaway uh, from the match overall. Obviously, they got off to a really good start, which helped them uh, and kind of took the life out of Qatar early on and just big picture. I also think people were kind of overrating Qatar uh, a little bit heading into this matchup. I think yeah, a lot sure. of that had to do with the gold cup, right? Like the gold cup mm-hmm. run they made. Yeah. I think that that's yeah. fair. Um, but taking a step back, Qatar is probably the worst team at the FIFA world cup uh, heading into the tournament in a couple months. And uh I, I keep thinking back to that draw and how close Canada was to potentially, you know, having Qatar in in their group, and keep thinking, man, please Group A, please Group A. Obviously, it didn't work <laughs> out that way, but it would have been nice to to know that you're heading to a World Cup where you at least enter as, as heavy favorites against the team. But yeah, yeah, overall, big response by Canada. Yeah, yeah. My my biggest takeaway was uh, Mikey Singh chose violence. On the on bird after, <laughs> after the the Canada two no win, just went just went in went out guns blazing, look looking for fights, trying to pick fights. Um, I still have like people said, thinking I'm serious. I was serious about that. I still have my mentions well, going off randomly. Hey, man, the bird app is not meant for subtlety, man. It's either you're <laughs> all the way or you're not in at all. <laughs> let's be honest. There's a glimmer of truth in there. You weren't being 100 percent facetious. There's maybe a 20 percent glimmer of truth in there. No. Yeah, no, no, no. I gotta on. add more. I gotta add more. I gotta add more exclamation marks and question marks on my tweet just to show that <laughs> yeah. I'm being, I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, like, like I mean, you know, with my limited knowledge, look, I, the highlights were a minute and thirty seconds, and it looked like Canada had the game in the bag. What twenty minutes into into the nineties? So I, I agree with everything you're saying there. Um, uh, you know, there was some excitement at the end with the almost chance for Kamal Miller. But other than that, it looked like the game 
was really exciting for 20 minutes and then just really, really boring for the last uh, 60, 70 minutes. I don't know if that's apt or if I'm just guesstimating based on watching two minutes of uh, game footage. Yeah, I, I think, look, I, the early goal helped. Um, it really calmed everything down for Canada. And I think at that point, there was the sort of breath and, okay, let's put our foot on the ball and dominate things. And that's really how the first half went, right? They put their foot on the ball and they completely dominated Qatar. Um, for the most part, like they had a few sort of counters um, and, and the, their game plan was to sit back and counter. It was clear. Um, I tweeted uh, on the day that I, you know, what a time to be alive that a opponent, an international opponent outside of CONCACAF parked the bus against Canada. Like what, you know, what twilight zone world are we living in now? Um, but that's, mm-hmm. that's the reality, right? That the, the potency of the Canadian attack, has reached ears far and wide. And then people know that this team is in a pushover and that they're, they can't attack you. Um, and look at the, the first goal, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a probably not the best cross we're ever going to see from Sam Atacube. Um, but Kyle Aaron, you know, does what Kyle Aaron does, even when he's not playing weekend and week out, right. Mm-hmm. Just sort of bullies the, the, the center back and out jumps him for the ball really. And just puts it in the back of the net, heads it in the back of the net. Um, and in the second goal, I mean, well worked uh, with, uh, you know, sort of Jonathan David there to clean up um, after I think Alfonso Davies had a chance to, to slot it home. Um, and at that point, it was it was clear sailing from there. And, and Mike made a really great point about Sam Piet being able to sort of help mop up in the back and, and allow Stefan Estacchio to be Stefan Estacchio and, and get the ball to the right people at the right time. I think also a couple things that I took away from the game. One, Alistair Johnson is now, if it wasn't in your mind as undroppable, he is undroppable now. You cannot Absolutely. drop him yeah. out of the squad. Yeah, um, no, he's, he's the best defender on the squad. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you you can't drop him now. Um, and and I was actually impressed with Junior Hoylet playing as a right wing back. I know he's doing that a bit at Reading, um, so he's he's getting more reps there. Um, that's an option for John Herdman at the World Cup. It's flexibility. Um, it's something that he clearly wants in his team where guys can move here and there. I don't think it's it's not your first option, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but it is an option available to him if he wants to go uh, in that round. And Junior Hoylet was probably playing there because Tejon Buchanan is on a minutes restriction um, from Club Bruges in terms of um, him recovering from injury, but... I think those are the two biggest takeaways I, I, I take from the game. The, the performance of uh, Alistair Johnston um, back there, and, and I think Junior Hoylet putting in a pretty good shift as a right wing back. He looked sharp, uh, Junior Hoylet did. Uh, I saw him more as a right mid as opposed to a right wing back. I think yeah, that was the yeah, plan. Really I think structurally that was the plan when you're defending, but we had so much of the ball, he essentially was um, a right midfielder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and if, again, like he is, he's the one guy on this men's national team, along with Stefan Estacchio, that's just, I think, close to the level of international football where he's good enough to play in between the lines and play with the ball at his feet and, and make certain passes that I think just other guys um, can't make at the, the top, top levels. So he brings that quality into the team. And yeah, I thought he looked really sharp on the day. Uh, he's obviously in form with Reading. He's playing a very important role for that team who is doing very well in the championship. And he earned the minutes. And obviously, captaining the side with the Tiba out, I think Junior Hoylet's going to be very useful for Canada 
whether he starts, whether he comes off the bench uh, in, in the World Cup, he's going to be an important figure. So, yeah, his versatility is just another plus in terms of what he brings to the table. Um, yeah, and in terms of other standouts, I thought Sam Adekube had a really good game. And he, if you want to talk about undroppable, I think he's a guy who has become essentially undroppable within this team. And it gives you the option of pushing Alfonso Davies up further now that you know that you have some security behind Sam Etikube. And one guy whose spot may be in jeopardy as a result of all of this is our guy, Richie Larea. We know that he's not going to be playing football down the stretch here as TFC are eliminated from the playoffs. And based on comments from John Herman, that, that's, a, that's a worry. That's a concern for him. Now, of course, he's going to go to Qatar and he's going to make that squad and he's going to play some minutes, whether that be off the bench or maybe starting a, a game. But I'm not sure if he's in Canada's best 11 at this moment. I, I can't say for certain. No, I, I probably wouldn't say that he would be. Um, I think we saw maybe without Mark Anthony K, um, the best 11 pretty much against Qatar for hey, the most John. part. Well, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Asian, yeah. yeah. But yeah, my I mean, boy, Junior Violet, you got to get him on the field. I mean, I, I invested in his, in his kit. So any <laughs> anytime you can get Jay, Jay Junior David Hoyland on the uh, on the pitch, I'm, I'm a happier person. But yeah, yeah. is also pretty good, I suppose. Exactly. But <laughs> that's pretty much your strongest 11 right there, right? For the most part um, that we saw. So Richie will play a role, I think, when you do want to play a back four. Um, in those moments, we may see that against Uruguay, um, which we'll we'll talk about in a moment. But hey, and um, Atiba, sorry, right, I right. out there, Tiba for Sam Piet. But as in the eleven, absolutely. What about Oso? Where does Oso go? Oso for Sam Piet. Mm, okay. Listen, I know Sam Piet put in a fantastic. I, I wouldn't say Sam Piet starts. I would probably still put Mark Anthony K. Um, above, well, yeah, we forgot about Mac, right? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I'm not above we, team, we'll, we'll talk about this when we talk about the lineup, when we talk cool. about the roster mm-hmm. going uh, to Qatar, because we, we've talked about our, our 22, and, and we're, we're pretty set on that, but uh, it's the extra spots. But we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, a couple of things out of this match. Uh, one, were you guys surprised to maybe not see some of the bubble players get into uh, the game, like uh, Coleo Show, uh uh, Corbanu, a, a waterman. Were you surprised to not see them maybe get minutes? Maybe not start, but get minutes. Yeah, well, when you think about who came into the game, um, I would cl- throw a couple of those in that bubble category. So, obviously, you, you want to see what you had in Charles Andreas Brim, mm. uh, just because you really haven't seen that at the senior level with this current crop of players. Uh, you needed to get Mark Anthony K minutes just because he hasn't had a good stretch of, of football over these last couple of months. So you need to get him in there in some capacity. Uh, Ismail Kone, again, yep. I throw him in a tier above those those fringe players, but he last time he was at Canada camp, he did not go very well. So I think he was it was important to get him minutes. Uh, Liam Millar, bubble player, left yep. wing back, right? So he got some minutes and then I can't think off the top of my head. Ugo. The, Ugo, no, but I don't know. He's not a bubble player though. You know, but yeah, 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 yeah. But I still think you want to see what you have in him. Um, so like, this is what John Herman was talking about afterwards. It's that 
there's tough decisions that are he's going to have to make. And I'm not even mm-hmm. talking about just roster cuts. It's about who's going to be seeing some game time here because you only have one and two if you think ahead to Japan. Two matches left where you're going to be able to get some some guys that you, you need to get game time. Yep. Now, one of those games is against Uruguay. I'm assuming he wants to try and put out his best 11 to potentially just see what he has and how his team stacks up against a competition like Uruguay because you uh-huh. just haven't seen that yet. And maybe, you know, it'll be far and few between for... for it's going to be tough to get minutes, uh, give guys who are French players minutes in that match. Now, I do yep. expect the the players that I mentioned, aside from maybe Anis Malcone and Mark Anthony K. I, I expect the the Corbinus and the the Koliosos to come off the bench as opposed to the, the Liam Millars of the world. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see some rotation, I think, a little bit more into the Uruguay match. But I was surprised that he decided to, I would say, the weaker players didn't get minutes as opposed to... I agree because, I mean, Japan uh, uh, cleaned the United States clock. We're not playing bubble players against Japan for the tune-up match. Uh, my surprise is Waterman. Obviously, he's called up because we have a spot for a center back. This was supposed to be his audition for the bus to Qatar or the, the bus, the plane to Qatar. Uh, so the fact that he didn't get any game action in this game out of the three tune-ups, I think is a surprise. I expected him to be starting this game. Uh, I just don't know what that means for the future because do you really want to blood uh center back against uruguay absolutely not are, are you going to give waterman garbage time minutes who cares that's he's, he's not that's not a, a proper audition for the player uh and then japan has sort of proved themselves to be uh, uh less of a minnow kind of tune-up than we anticipated so where where does waterman get get his minutes uh to sort of prove himself before before the dance, before the big dance. Well, the one thing I'll say to that is when you look at Ismail Kone, and one of the things John Herman talked about is not necessarily the game that he had against Panama, but the whole camp overall that he had. And that included, obviously, training sessions and everything like that. So you get a, a decent impression of what these guys can do uh, just from working with them day in, day out. So it's not like they absolutely need to get minutes, and if they don't get minutes, they're they're not coming. You know, there is a possibility that you still impress in camp. But as we're talking about this, as I mentioned, like three games now, two games left. That's all you have with your best 11 to prepare for the World Cup. And you already lost at a window in June, essentially. So it's it's about this time getting your team right and ready as opposed to auditioning new faces. Now, the one thing that maybe Herdman is is a step ahead of us on is a guy like Luca Coliosho, who is yet to commit fully to Canada. Mm. bringing him on against Uruguay is a lot more enticing than bringing him on against Qatar. So you bring a guy yeah. on against Uruguay, you you show him, hey, like you're going to be a significant part of this team. We trust you in these types of matches. How cool is it to play against a team like Uruguay? You know, when we go to the World Cup, you're going to be playing against Belgium. You're going to be playing against Croatia. Now you're playing against Uruguay. Like this is the, the big time. So maybe Herman is thinking it in that terms, in terms of selling the player on Canada overall. For sure. I, I think yeah, yeah. that I, I'm I'm more surprised probably about Colio Show than I was about Waterman or or Corbanu. Like I, I think 
for Waterman, it, it's uh, it's more of a show me what you can do at camp, right? Um, and if you get into a game, great. But I agree with with Mike. Like this is the time where your your eleven are going to have to play the majority of the games and get the majority of the minutes right now because they need those reps together uh, in order to get ready for the World Cup. I mean, yes, the game was comfortable against Qatar, but there were moments at the back uh, where there was still a little bit of a disconnect there. Um, so why not bring Waterman on? I mean, that screams for for the audition. Let let me let me turn this around and ask you a question. Are you comfortable? Would you be comfortable with Waterman making the trip to Qatar? Like what? 15 minutes of first team action. Would you be comfortable having him play center back in any of our three group stage games as a starter or a substitute? Uh, and would it be fair to the player? I mean, maybe they're amazing in training, but that's a, that's a tough ask for someone, especially at the CPL level. Who's now in, in not in a, not even a roundabout way representing that league and its aspirations for player development. I mean, what I if would. they pull a, Mar- a Godinho, you know, an old school Godinho at the back and, <laughs> and Morocco gets, gets, you know, an own goal on us because of, because of some gap. That is a terrible situation for the CPL, for the, for obviously for the men's national team and our World Cup aspirations. I just, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. If there was a game in these three to start Waterman, it was the Qatar game. So I am confused about that. I, I would be comfortable because he's played beside Kamal Miller and, and Alistair Johnson his entire season, right? He, he's familiar with that aspect of things, at least. That's fair, Mike. Right? That's fair. And if you look what at the replacement... You, well, if you look at the replacement before we pass it to Mike, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is Waterman that much of a downgrade over Daniil Henry? See that much of I mean, a downgrade over. Daniel's my boy, man. Daniel, Daniel brings <laughs> something that I don't think Waterman brings, which is chaos. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you meet a chaos merchant, right? Well, you know, so yeah. to, to answer your question, Jeff, um, giving away my list a little bit, I don't have Joel mm-hmm. Waterman going. Um, wow. That doesn't that doesn't mean it's necessarily based on form, right? I think it's it's mainly based on who's been working with this group of players for the longest in terms of their sort of national team career. And I know that isn't always the fairest way to do things. Um, and Not a lot of people will be like, fair. you just take the most informed players to the world cup. John Herdman has proven that loyalty matters to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and from that perspective, uh, I, I, I would not have a problem with Joel Waterman going to the world cup. I, I, if he goes, that's not to me an issue. I just don't think this particular window is his time. If that makes and sense. And I, and I, I would argue that had he started or seen significant minutes during the Qatar game, you might have a different opinion on his spot on the plane. Fair. Yeah, then, but then it's like, what are you prioritizing? Are you prioritizing your fifth center back or are you prioritizing your 11 getting minutes? That, I mean, that is the question. It's well, 11 Uruguay, getting minutes. Uruguay, it's 11 getting minutes. And that's well, just clear as they, they played their full 11 against Iran on Friday. I lost, by the way, um, mm. to Iran. So, you know, from, from that perspective, you know, it is about getting your 11 minutes. Like, if you're looking around even at Nations League, I know – Nation League technically is a competition, but like you're seeing, you know, these national teams play their 
preferred 11s at least to start right so the idea is that it's about getting minutes ahead of the world cup and if you then have the opportunity to get more fringe players into the squad getting minutes, just getting their feet wet in international competition then fine uh mm-hmm. but that's really the goal here you know i expect the full 11 to play against uruguay and play ma- the majority of the game so do unless I. a blowout either way right uh so from that perspective, I think that's more important. That said, um, yes, of course, as fans, we want to see the Colio shows and the Corbanus and Watermans to see what might be next. But that's the point. They're next. You know, the time for now is we got to play the players that are going to be part of this World Cup group right now. That's fair. That's fair. A couple of other points here from the game before we start to look at the look ahead to Uruguay. Um, Jonathan David's goal celebration. Ooh, baby. Just sorry. Wrong side. Yeah. I'm messing that up. There you go. Covering <laughs> up the, covering up the, the Nike logo uh, on the goal. Um, a lot being read into it. A lot not being read into it. I mean, I think, I, I think there's a message there. Um, ever it be so subtle or not subtle. Um, but I just found it interesting that the players are now using games to sort of make those messages. This, I know he's an Adidas athlete. I know that's been brought up. Um, but, I mean, he was an Adidas athlete the last time and didn't cover up the logo, right? So, you know, it's interesting to watch the players sort of use their platform in terms of being on the pitch to make statements to Nike and maybe even to the CSA as well. Strangely enough, that wasn't in the one ha- the one minute thirty second highlight pack that I watched on YouTube. Oh, they cut Can that. You believe quick. it. They uh, cut that quick. Uh, so this is the first I'm hearing of it. How deliberate did it look? Like was it? it could it, it be misunderstood as, as anything else? <laughs> Who, if, I mean, the weirdest go, goal go on my Twitter. Go on my Twitter. Pardon? You'll find it. Go on my Twitter. Well, I'm, not gonna do it. It. I'm not going to do it right now. Just, just I'll do it after the show. Tell well, me. I mean, I, 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 he, he might like this. So unless, unless again, you know, weirdest goal celebration I'll ever see because you know, 100 percent deliberate. 100 percent deliberate. Considering how soft spoken he is, and how often it's mentioned that he, you know, of of the the superstars on the on the Canadian squad, he's the most uh, uh, deliberate and soft spoken. I'd say that speaks volumes uh, on the state of the locker room. Um, and I think it's deserved. Uh, you know, which what, what team at the World Cup that Nike uh, provides kits for, other than us, aren't getting new kits? Zero? Yeah. I, I, but I mean, you know. I, I don't, I don't want to hear. I, you know, I agree with you. The two-year runway, et cetera, et cetera, ad infinitum. Nobody expected Canada to be here ad nauseum. Nike has the power when push comes to shove to throw money at a problem and put something out there. Maybe it's not new kits. Maybe it's a anthem jacket or something. They've done sweet FA. So I can understand. And let's not get into the, to the CSA shenanigans. You know, he, he covered the logo. So let's just discuss that. He has a point. Um, and, and he want, if he puts egg on the face of our, of our corporate overlords, so be it. Um, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, it's it, it you know at the end of the day he's he, he's got a very firm ground to stand on right we're the we'll use i i hope we use it as whiteboard material you know like we're we're wearing the same kits that we decimated the 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 octo in you know let's keep the flavor going for guitar 
But at the end of the day, he has a point. And at the end of the day, he's well within his rights to say, you know, you guys effed up. Uh, it, it is what it is, right? Like, uh, and and I, I'm proud he did it. Why not? I want my guys to have some swagger. Yeah, I'll take a little bit of a different angle on this. Uh, I liked what KJ said on the broadcast. I'm going to echo what essentially he was saying. Um, and that was focusing on Jonathan David uh, himself. And you mentioned it there, Jeff. Jonathan David's quite quiet, quite reserved. So I love the idea of him showing personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely love that. And Jonathan David, if you look back at its history, he's one for celebrations and very meticulous, thought-out celebrations. So you know 100% that this was intentional. It was <laughs> absolutely a... Uh, yeah, it was absolutely in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bye. <laughs> That's my director, by the way. Anyway, go ahead. Absolutely intentional, uh, deliberate, and I think it was a message that was received. And I like the players using their platforms because oftentimes they don't get that chance. So the fact 100%. that they're now bringing it onto the pitch, I think it's it spoke volumes, and I think everyone. Uh, Everyone took note of that, so mission accomplished, I guess. Yeah, and look, and, and Jeff, you're you're saying you know don't bring in the the cat the soccer shenanigans in. Look, the two are intertwined, right? They I are agree. so I agree. mixed together that doing that serves a dual purpose, right? This team is still playing 100%. without an agreement going into mm-hmm. this World Cup. Now that could get resolved before November. It sounds like it won't, or at least that they're going to put it off until after the world cup to get it sorted out because they want to focus on the football. And I have to respect that, but it is kind of ridiculous that we're getting less than two months away from the world cup. This thing has not been resolved yet between the players and, and the association. And there's something, there's a piece I'm thinking about working on after the world cup about, are we going to learn from our prior mistakes after this world cup? I know we're hosting one in in coming in about four years. You know, are we really are we going to learn our mis- lessons from our mistakes? And I think the players are using their platform to highlight those issues that need to be addressed coming up to hosting a co-hosting a World Cup. I, I just wonder if we're going to actually heed those messages. That's that's where I'm coming from. You raise a really interesting point because. Not everybody gets to score goals on the in that locker room, right? So I'm wondering how much of this was Jonathan David and how much of this was a unified discussion. Maybe he took the initiative and figured out the minutiae of it. But I'm wondering how, where does the line end from Jonathan David's own personal uh, 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 feelings on the issue and him deciding to be a mouthpiece for the rest of the locker room by consequence that he gets to score the goals he gets to do the celebrations. The camera's going to be on him. So you know, it speaks to the brotherhood in the locker room that we've been we've been touting for this whole this whole time, this whole run. Yeah, I would say some people are probably really passionate about that, and I'm I'm sure there are some people who are just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I spoke. Yeah, we yeah. spoke to Jonathan Osorio. Yeah, like any group, uh, absolutely. Yeah, we spoke to Jonathan Osorio like two weeks ago, and he was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a jersey, like whatever. Like they don't. He didn't really care that they were going to get. They weren't going to get new kits. And then obviously you see Jonathan David's celebration. You see Sam Atacube's comments. Like there's people who out there who really care the fact they're they're not getting New Jersey. So yeah, as any issue, I'm sure that's divided. But the one thing I'm sure you'll you'll find is that 
as you mentioned, there's that brotherhood and they're not going to throw anyone else under the bus, but yeah, it should be, I mean, is this going to cloud over them throughout the world cup? Is this going to be a non-issue once the game gets kicked off or is this still going to be a talking point? Do you guys think throughout the, the world cup? I mean, I don't don't know if they're going to do on field protests or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. I I don't think that will necessarily happen, but do I think it will be a talking point in terms of, Hey, there may not be a deal done and Hey, we still have all these issues of 100%. There are still be talking talking about two different things. Mike was, Mike was bringing it very specifically to the kid situation. I do think the CSA thing is going to cast a pal until it's resolved. And I don't know if there is a resolution that will be satisfactory to all parties. It's already cast a pal. It will cast a pal. But I don't think Um, you can separate the two, right? I think the two are interlinked with each other, right? In in ways, in a lot of different ways, both from a very contractual obligation perspective, but also from a CSB perspective, which we don't need to get into today, to a, like, right, like. Yeah, I took Mike's Mike's question to be: Are they going to bitch about not having new kits once they're in? Control? Sorry, no, I, I meant I meant so. like whole contract yeah. dispute. Oh no, no, that I mean they're professionals; they'll ignore it, but media will ask them about it because it's a good story and it doesn't have an ending yet. Um, and I think, it, I I think it will be like a, a a cloud or a shadow that follows this team around. Um, but let's put it this way: If they win, who are we playing first? Belgium. Yeah, yeah. If we beat, if we win that game, nobody's talking about CSB. Everybody's talking about what. Or are they, they talking about Croatia? it more? Mm, I don't know. I think they're going to be, or they're talking about what are they going to do against Croatia? And if we win <laughs> against Croatia, what are they going to do against Monaco? 100%, so, 100%. Well, yeah, for sure, from a footballing perspective. But I think one thing, and we can we'll move on to Uruguay after this. But um, I, I think that it will shine a bigger light on on the Canadian Soccer Association. And that's where the skeletons get exposed a little is bit, this, right? Is this is this bias because we're such homers? I mean, there's a lot of federations that are an absolute garbage fire, like a screaming garbage fire going into World Cup years. Do you remember if that was consistently the uh, the 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 sort of you know, like I'm trying to like I'm thinking. Well, yeah, about, like, uh, like take take France back in what twenty ten. They essentially went on they essentially yeah. went on strike, right? right? Like the, you know, yeah, Ghana Ghana's gone into World Cups and had disputes about pay and threatened not to play games because yeah. they were they were complaining about bonuses or bonuses that were promised. Like these things 100%. happen in almost every World Cup where there is one mm-hmm. or two teams that has an issue with their FA, right? So it's yep. not new to the footballing world. It's new to Canada, right? Yeah. And that's all oh, yeah. we haven't had to deal with because obviously we haven't well had said. to deal with it for 40 years. Yeah, what, so, really well said, Mike. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. let's, I mean, you know, there's obviously there's going to be time to talk about it. It will come up again inevitably. Uh, but let's move on to the football on the field. Uh, massive game tomorrow against Uruguay. Um, Can I interject for one second? We go, talked go for, it. for 35 minutes about the Qatar game and we didn't mention... Alfonso Davies beyond in passing once. And I love that for us. I think that's fantastic. He was Alfonso Davies. He was great. Yeah. yeah. I just want to say that. <laughs> I mean, what else is there to say? He was great, you know? Um, but the, it does, but again, it does speak to this. And, it, and I'm going to bring this up here with the Uruguay game. It speaks to the fact that, you know, we have an 11. We know who's going to play this game and we know who we're going to rely on. What a world a Canadian soccer national team fan lives in 
that you can basically go into a game confident. I know what the 11 is going to be. I know who my players are who can win us a match. And we do have players on this 11 that can win us this match. Testify. Right. And it's a a massive test for Canada. Like it, it is, it is the test we had all been hoping for in the June window, obviously what happened happened and we didn't get that. But here's now your test. This is the yardstick. This is the first of many yardsticks are that's we, coming to this uh, Okay, I like I like that you qualified that. But are we over? Uh, um, uh, 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 what is it? Your, your, uh, what's the opposite? Yeah, are we overvaluing Uruguay? I mean, they did no. lose to Iran one 0 No, Iran I don't think we are. Game. Like we're, we're like I, I'll say this: Canada's been great over this qualifying period we're still a little bit Canada. Like, like we, we haven't, we haven't proven anything yet on an international level outside of CONCACAF yet. Right. So no, we can't underqualify that because Uruguay are teams that consistently compete in world cups and consistently compete for Copa Americas. Right. So, you know, this is, and, and look, like if you look at the 11 that they played against Iran, it's still Darwin Nunez, Luis Suarez and uh, posterior up front, right? Like that's still an incredible. Did you catch your typo on the run down there? Lucy yeah, Suarez? Yeah, he's my favorite. <laughs> I love Lucy Suarez. Uh, but again, they lost 1-0 to Iran. Now yeah. I haven't seen the highlights of that game because I'm it's a, a it was busy. a weird game. It was a weird yeah, the yeah, whole pallor pallor around the game. You can if, if if listeners can look it up online. There's articles about it in terms of Iran basically not allowing anybody to go watch the game. Um, uh, it was a bit weird um, because okay. right now there's a lot of stuff going politically in Iran. But um, yeah, I mean, look, they yes they did lose. It it was one nil loss. I didn't see any highlights. I don't think anybody saw highlights. Yeah, um, yeah, you just you just told us why exactly. Yeah, so. Right. So, but I mean, I still wouldn't necessarily qualify that as oh well, or Uruguay's on the downfall. No, I think it was just a simple game as they treated it like a friendly. I think they'll mm-hmm. actually be up for this game against Canada because there's probably some people out there who's thinking hmm, Uruguay might be getting a little older, a little slower, um, and this might be a fast that, yeah. team that can come against them. Whereas Uruguay still have a rep to to maintain. Mike, yeah, it looks like you got something to say. Go ahead. Darwin Nunez. We haven't yeah. faced a player of Darwin Nunez's caliber yeah. yet, let alone the the Valverdes and the Luis Suarez and the Bentecourt. Luis Suarez. Mm-hmm. There's, there's quality, more quality than Canada has ever come against um, in this stretch last four years. Um yeah. So this is by far and away Canada's biggest test. Uruguay is better than the Mexico is better than the United States who have been Canada's wow. biggest test so far. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's really too much Debatable. of a, a hot take or debate. Yeah. I think hundred percent there it's a different breed down there in South America. And you're going up against one of the top South American teams that have been perennial threats to win major tournaments. So, yes, sure. this is the game I think we've all been waiting for as a measuring stick heading into the World Cup. Uh, are they Croatia? Are they a Belgium? In my opinion, no. But they're a step up and getting closer to that. They're a, a lot better than the Qatar team that we face, and I think this will be the sure. first game uh, than maybe maybe one or two of the CONCACAF games during the qualifying round against Mexico that will see Canada play in what I believe is their ideal uh, way of playing, which is a counterattacking team. I think Canada will concede possession to Uruguay. 
And I believe that they'll try and hit him off the counter because that's what we're going to see more of at the World Cup against the Belgians and Croatia. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this matchup for a lot of different reasons. But the main one is because it's that measuring stick that we've all been desperate to see. So here's a question for you guys and a question for, for the listeners as well. Going into this game, what would you consider success, right? Obviously winning would be the success, of course. But outside of just that, like what do you want to see from this team that will sort of tick a box for you and say like right track, we're on the right track towards uh, Qatar? The result for me is is not as important as I think the performance overall like within the team. I want to see that Canada can go in there and and instill some belief in themselves moving forward. And I think that would be a success to to go on the pitch and be like, hey, we can play with a team like Uruguay. And obviously to do that, you need to be pretty solid defensively, you know, have cohesion, obviously, and all of that. And if you can suffer a little bit and be okay suffering, then that gives me reason to be optimistic about this team moving forward because we, in my opinion at least, Moving forward in attack and the counterattack, I think Canada is good to create at least a handful of chances each game when you have Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, Tejon Buchanan, Kyle Lahren, I'll throw into that mix. They have the potential to create chances. I want to see what it looks like when they're under pressure and they're suffering a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking more at the performance than I am at the at the result, ultimately. Jeff, how about I'm looking you? At, I'm looking at the opponent, and I'm seeing a lot of parallels with the Croatias and the Belgians. I mean, these are world-class players, but they're definitely at the tail end of their primes, if not out of their primes. I, I, I'm remiss to say that about the Kevin De Bruyne's of the world, but there are some parallels here. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a higher level of opponent. I, you guys sold me on that. But I do like the idea of what this means going into the Belgians and the Croatias, right? Like if we can handle Nunez, Suarez, and Belverde, who's to say we can't nullify the Modrics and the and the uh, De Bruyne's of the world, right? So there's, there's a distinct through line from this that I really, really like. Uh, so I'd like to see, if, if not a win, I'd like to see that midfield battle uh, be something that Canada can use as ammunition going into the group stage of the World Cup. Fair enough. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, I think, is next, next level. Um, yeah, 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 And not, and not out of prime. Him. If you've seen him recently, he ain't out of prime. Oh, no, but... he's, he's one of the best players in the world. But <laughs> yeah, come on, I yeah. just I, I mean, he, he scored a ridiculous goal. On oh, yeah, he's ridiculous. Croatia has Absolutely. a good parallel, though. Croatia yeah, is a good Croatia parallel because they are the aging squad. Um, I think, mm-hmm. like... Uruguay, Croatia have a handful of players who are very recognizable, and then the rest of the squad are, you know, un- yeah, yeah, they're they're good players, but they're not necessarily household commodities. Belgium is a different breed, different animal. Yeah, Belgium has. Yeah, women, right. players I, I have questions about their about their defending, um, in terms of you know how we can maybe get at them at pace, but. We're not mm-hmm. talking about Belgium right now. Um, not yet, not yet. Not we yet, lot, not we got, yet. We got, a, we got a, a month. Yeah, ago. that'll be a fun episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Back. But I think, you know, I, I think what I would want to see out of this game is, is similar to what you're talking about, Mike. I, I want to see that they have some tactical competency against Uruguay. I don't, like, I know we're going to see possession of the ball, but I don't want it to feel like a Man City, you know, um, 
a Man City game against like, you know, Burnley. You know, I don't, I don't want it to be like we're conceding the ball and we absolutely have no chance of winning it back. Right. Like what I, I what I want to see is tactical competency and being able to Very get position well away, but be able to put in traps to win the ball back and then spring us on the counter. Uh, and and that's that. what I'm going to look for more than, hey, do we end up winning this game? If we win the game, great. Of course, obviously, yeah. that's that's a massive feather in your cap going into the World Cup. But if you can get a solid 60, 65 minutes out of your starting 11 where they look like they are handling this team and don't feel overawed and I don't get overwhelmed within the first say 15 to 20 minutes yeah. um, of playing a Darwin Nunez and a Luis Suarez. Um, then, uh, then I will consider some good success there. Yeah. Absolutely. Very, very fair. Yeah. And, and overall, I guess for, you know, in terms of this game, in terms of this game, but also the, the Qatar team game and, and looking at it as a whole, what do you consider success in this entire window? Like, is it again, is it about just getting the 11 minutes? Is it blooding in some players that we're thinking about maybe as those extra spots? You know, what, what does that, what does success in this window look like for you? This is segue bait. I see what you're doing here. Um, I mean, you know, my answer already, it it was like, I, I thought this was about filling holes in the roster. Um, but you've made a very strong case for testing the best 11 against higher competition. So I'm not entirely sure what success is. I think it's playing games and getting on that plane to guitar with, with good vibes, vibes FC, however, however that happens. Yeah. I think it's accomplishing as much as you possibly can in as little time as possible. Right. And you, you want to see all of the above. I want to see Luca Colioso's debut. I, I really want to see that. I'm emphatic about it, actually. And then I also want to see the best 11 get some minutes together as they inch closer to their... This is their penultimate friendly. Like, this is their second last mm-hmm. friendly match that they'll play before the World Cup. So they need to, obviously, go out on a high note because you don't want to be heading into to that game against Japan after being blown out 4-0, right? You, need, you want to put in a, a performance that makes you... Uh, enthusiastic and optimistic about this team and, and the vibes, as you mentioned, Jeff, like getting onto that plane and going to the guitar with, with good vibes. You, you need performances like this. So I want to see that happen as well. So, yeah, I'd say, like I said, accomplishing as much as possible in, in very little time. That, that would, that's what I would consider a successful window. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you. Uh, I, I think also getting Waterman, getting Corbanu minutes as well as Koliosho, I think is important as well even if you're not going to end up putting them on the plane to Qatar, because it's telling them that, look, you're part of this. Okay. Yes. You didn't Mm -hmm. get in this time around. It just wasn't your time, but your time is coming and it's coming quickly and it keeps them hungry and keeps them working at their clubs for after the world cup, because then, because it's going to be a quick turnaround to a gold cup to then now we're started talking about getting ready for 2026. So, you know, from that perspective, I think there is some value in also getting those players' minutes as well. Go ahead, Mike. The one difference between the Koleoshos and the Watermans and the Cormanu is that Koleosho has still has the opportunity to say goodbye to this federation and yeah, go does. to three different other federations. Waterman and Cormanu, they're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think inviting them to this camp may send that message already as to what you're alluding to, Mike. Just having them part of this mix as they're so close to the World Cup and already be like 
the reminder that they're going to be part of the program in the future moving forward. Coleosha is a different story because I think you really need to sell him on it. Oh, I think he needs it's to play. I do. I, I 100% yeah. agree with you. I think he needs to play. Do it. Well, I don't, the friendly doesn't yep. cap tie you. You, you um, can't cap tie You can't cap tie him <laughs> Not until an official con. So basically, they couldn't cap time until the World Cup. Until the World so Cup. So yeah, they got to, yeah. this is your chance to get in, play minutes, and then let's just segue right into it in terms of maybe getting your plane ticket to Qatar. Yep. So we're going to talk about uh, just our, who we think should be on that plane. Um, I think we have a pretty established 22, right? Like we yep. pretty much, that's pretty locked. I'll read them out. And if anybody has any sort of disagreement on the name, put your hand up and and we'll sort of go through that um, with you. But um, at goalkeeper, it's Borean, Crapo, and St. Clair. Any, I don't think there's any... Yeah, I, I didn't think so. Um, yeah, the defenders, we got Ab- Adekube, um, Johnston. Uh, again, both we just mentioned in this podcast are pretty much undroppable, so they're they're coming. Scott Kennedy, um, I actually might put my hand up for that, and I'll explain in a second. Um, I have Daniil Henry going. Um, I know yeah. some of you guys don't. No, I want Daniil there. You want Daniil Hale's there, Mike? Absolutely. Off, off merit, I don't think he should deserve to be there. But based on the comments that John Herdman said and how important he is to this team in the locker room and the fact that he is with the team currently, and despite the fact he's not healthy enough to play, um, I think that speaks volumes and he will be in Qatar, even though I'm not sure he earned it down the stretch here. I agree with you, but I have him on the list as going. I'm yeah. actually taking, uh, I, I know you gave me a list, uh, Mike, but I, I've actually added him in as a defender. So I think they're taking more defenders. Um, Richie Larea, um, Stephen mm-hmm. Vittoria, and we've got Kamal Miller. 100%. 100%. So no, no. Okay. So we have a little no. star beside Daniil, but aside from that, everybody. And is. Scott Kennedy, you said. Um, yeah, you well, put, you put that, that's the one thing with Scott Kennedy is like, as he, I know he's back with his club in Germany, but again, it's the same thing. He's not playing regularly. Um, so that, that would be my only sort of, mm, maybe not. And that's where maybe plane. Joel Waterman sneaks in. Maybe. Yeah. But he's with the team right now. He is with the team right now. That is true. He is and they do. And right he now. does. And John Herdman has spoken quite openly about wanting to have a left foot center back. Right. So he's on um, the plane. And, and it's, yeah. it's kind of that Daniil, Henry kind of thing where he was with this team throughout qualifying and played important matches for this team as well. So I think he has a leg up, but I, I do take your point where he is definitely in the lower tier of that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, midfield, we'll move on to the midfield. Uh, Stefan Astakio, Jonathan Osorio, Mark Anthony K, Ishmael Kone. I, I think at this point, Ishmael Kone, unless something incredible, like he's going. Um, Sam Piet. And mm-hmm. Atiba Hutchinson is on this as a lock if he's fit. Even if he isn't, just bring him along for the buffet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair yeah, enough, but there. then you're going to have to replace yeah. him with somebody. So we'll talk about that in a second, okay? Yeah. So uh, put an asterisk beside him and only because we're not sure of his fitness, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but forwards, Tejon Buchanan. Uh, Justin did you, David. Did you do Weatherspoon? You didn't do you. You skipped. Oh no, I I took Weatherspoon. I personally took Weatherspoon out. So I'll put my hand up and say I have Weatherspoon out. No, I I want him in there. I think you he's want in him there. in there. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, do you think he's in there? Player. I personally think he's in there um, because the team made note of the fact that he is injured 
and that's why he's not available for the camp when they didn't do that for some other emissions in the 100%, camp. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. They do value him, uh, and John Herman values him to a, okay. a certain extent. And again, okay. he played a role for this this team in qualifying. Okay. So, so then, so right now, that would leave us with one with with twenty three right now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you you're going to keep Daniel in, or would you take him out? I'm Daniel. I'm ride or die with Daniel Henry, man. He's going to Qatar. I riot. So, I he's going to go. That if we're predicting it, yes. If I'm choosing my best eleven, he doesn't go. But if we're predicting it, he he's going to go. Okay, fair well, he's enough. not going to so, last for all ninety minutes. Just put him on for the first twenty, get him his red card. Or okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, we're yeah. saying David Wotherspoon is going to Qatar. Okay, I think uh, so. Yeah. Forward, uh, Tejon, Jonathan, David, Junior, Hoylet, Kyle, Laren, Ike Ugbo. Any... No Cavallini. Wow. That's, that's the one area. Um, so I have a, a bubble of forwards here who I've okay. made a list of. Um, and this is just strikers. So I have Cavallini. You have Andreas Brim, who made his appearance. Uh, yep. And then you have, I threw in a wild card here, and I said Daniel Jebison. Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say Akinola, but no. Oh, no, no, no. I was not going. Yeah. Um, the reason why is because Herman left that door open in speaking to yeah. media. He said that maybe we'll see at the World Cup if Daniel Jebison earns the opportunity. He said he's committed to England right now, but he also said that Jebison has voiced that he one day wants to play for Canada. And then he, he left the door open for a potential World Cup invite. His words, not mine. And then if Jebison earns it. So the if reason why to, if he want if he wanted to go he'd be at this he should be at this camp now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, but I, get, he's also, I get I know he get, he's with the England U twenties. I get that. But, but he's also he's also at the range where I think he's good enough to walk on to a World Cup team for Canada if that means getting getting him for the future. Sure. Right. If that means you lock up Daniel Jebison for the next fourteen years. Bring him to the World Cup. <laughs> I, 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 I agree. I, I think I'm willing. I think I'm okay. Willing okay. Okay. So so all right. So we, we're but, gonna have to pick. We're gonna have to pick like doesn't. Okay. Just make that clear. But I did want to throw it out there for the chaos. Sure. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll throw it out there for the chaos. Okay. So now we've okay. So technically, with this the way that we have it right now, we have 23 players on the roster. Okay. okay. 23 officially tickets booked. They are going, which means then we have three additional spots to fill okay um assuming atiba's healthy and he's fine that that makes your 23 okay um so now you have three more players to take to the world cup who are you taking uh Uh, jpn cavallini cavallini you're taking cavallini okay yeah why not good soldier uh newell or sing go um so i'll i'll give my three so Mine comes up if Jebison, for whatever reason, says he wants to come to the World Cup, he's going to the World Cup. Yeah. So it would be between Jebison and Cavallini for him, for me. One of the two. Okay. Right? We'll count Jebison? them as one. Uh, I would take Jebison for sure. Okay. Um, so we'll count those those guys as one. The next one for me is Luca Coliosho. Okay. Uh, for the same reason, you, you, you cap time this kid because this kid is yep. special. He is so good. Yeah, um, I agree with both of those shows. 
So if he can, if he's willing to come and cap time himself to Canada, you put him on that plane, fly him first class. I don't care. Do whatever it takes to get him committed to Canada. Uh, the last one for me would there's two that I'm debating between. Depends what position I think Herman wants to go. It's Cornelius and mm. Liam. Mm. Um, if he wants another flexible winger who can who's shown he can play wing back, uh, you go Liam Millar. If mm-hmm. you want to solidify your center back position, you go Derek Cornelius because he has been invited to multiple camps. Uh, he knows this men's national team. He's played minutes for this men's national team during World Cup, World Cup qualifying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's one or the other. Okay. Fair enough, JP, and you got two more. You already got Cavallini. I, 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 I agree with I, – I would say Cavallini, uh, uh, what's, his, what's his face, Koleosho, uh, mm. uh, depending. So the, I'd do the same split. I would say um, – what was your second guy? Your second guy was. Uh, 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 I got Cavallini, Jebison, Coleosho. Yeah, yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Coleosho is one. Cavallini slash Jebison, and I will go straight to Cornelius. I want Cornelius on the front. Good soldier, capable center back. Sorry, okay. Waterman. I'm done. We're done here. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Done with you, Waterman. Uh, no. Uh, okay, so my final three then. Um, I actually have Lucas Cavallini going. Um, And I think that is, again, that loyalty aspect that John Herdman um, has talked about quite a bit. Also, I don't know how serious Jebison is about signing for the national team. Like, I really don't. So uh, I'm not – if if he comes out after this campus is, yes, I want to play for Canada. Okay, I I see your point, Mike. Yes, absolutely. You cap tie him and you lock him down for the rest of his life. Exactly. He can still follow one-time switch. But, like, yes, you know – he you take them but as of right now the way i have to see it i have to see it in the world of prism of reality and the prism of reality is daniel jebison is playing for the england u20s and not with sure. canada right now sure. so lucas sure. cavallini's on the plane colio show is definitely the second player um on the plane um and then i had a bit of a tussle between miller corbanu waterman and andreas brim I think you have enough defenders. I, I really don't think you need to necessarily have Cornelius um, there, but old uh, statement. Old. Hmm? I know that that's why that's why I don't have him on the plane. I was I was flipping, but that's why I don't have him on the plane. So I am, I am taking Liam Millar. Um, cool. I, again, to yeah. me, it's like a flip a coin between him and Corbanu. Really, um, I actually think Corbanu gives you more attacking wise. Um, but I, I again that tactical flexibility that Mike talked about played into my mind so that's why he gets the nod over Corbanu. so i have cavallini coliosho and millar on uh the plane with the rest of the boys and Love we'll see how wrong we are uh and once <laughs> when they release the roster before the japan friendly um i'm gonna have to miss panini time unfortunately because we're going a bit late and i did i only booked an hour and i'm on the clock boys so i will have to take my leave of you now Fair uh but Enjoy Panini time, and I will be sure to watch it uh, when I take my next break from this nonsense. So uh, we will see you later. See you next week. All right, buddy. It was lovely seeing you all, and uh, have a great rest of the show, dude. My right, dudes. Take care. Cheers, Keep cutting that movie. All right. Uh, 
So there you go. That's the that is the 26. The uh, Toronto till I die 26 going to Qatar. Um, so just to recap really quickly, that's Borean, Crepo, Saint Clair, Atacube, Johnston, Kennedy, Henry, Larea, Vittoria, Miller, Estacchio, Osorio, K, Kone, Piet, Hutchison, Wotherspoon, Buchanan, David, Hoylet, Laren, Ugbo with Cav- well, Cavallini slash Jebison, we'll see, Colio uh, <laughs> Show and Millar going. Um, I love the, the chaos. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Hey, look, again, if he commits, sure, absolutely. Um, let's do it. All right, um, fun time. Hey, uh, so this is me just wanting to have a little fun. I am uh, becoming a bit of a panini nerd. Um, so I have grabbed the World Cup sticker album. It's the first time I'm doing it. I know a lot of you guys do that out there. Mike, do you do any of the stickers? Do you do you collect any of the stickers? I haven't. I haven't, to be honest with you. I've seen it going around, and I haven't been uh, been too tempted yet. No, fair enough. Um, this, is, this is something I've, I've picked up uh, in the last year, and I'm starting to collect stickers right now. So really all I'm doing is just having a little fun. I'm going to open up three packs, and I'm going to see if I can put together a really good uh, five-a-side team uh, out of the packs that I open up. So I'm going to do that really quickly. I've got my uh, three packs here. Uh, so I'm going to open them up. I'll show you each player I get um, out of the pack. Um, but from there, uh, I'll see if I can put together a five-a-side team. And, and Mike, I'll take your expertise on uh, on who I should be putting on this team. All right, cool. Um, so straight out of the pack, I got Omid Nupfaran from uh, Iran. Uh, so I got a defender. All right. Um, you get these like teams. Uh, you get the uh, some classic team stickers. They won't count for players. I'm not like pulling out Friends Beckenbauer or anything like that um, into my five. So that's okay. I got the Bruyne. Oh, so, is he gonna make the five side team? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, but uh, we've got uh, De Bruyne there. I got one of the stadiums, uh, so that's obviously not going to be counting. And I got Mason Mount. So not the worst opening um, on the first pack there. Uh, so let's go. How many of these packs do you have? Uh, I got. I bought a box. Um, so you got this is 250 stickers. It's a lot. Um, but uh, I'm actually really enjoying it. Um, so shout out Breakaway Sports and 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 Ancaster for hooking me up. Um, okay, we've got another pack open. So um, I've got another stadium. Uh, so we'll move that on. Ooh, uh, this is cool. I got Ederson. Um, so okay. if I feel like putting a goalkeeper, be a great five aside team. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm starting to get a great five aside team here. Um, I got Dennis Sicaria. Um, so I got another. Uh, I got another decent midfielder there as well. Um, oh, I got Matthew Ryan. So I'm, I'm getting some goalkeeper options here if I, if I want to do that um, from Australia. Um, and I've got and I got another goalkeeper who we're going to probably see uh, tomorrow in Sergio Rochette um, from Uruguay. Oh, so, burn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So that is that pack. Okay. Here's the last pack. And then I'll, I'll make my team um, here. If there's any any comments there, anybody thinks uh, there's uh, players I should put in or leave out, let me know. Um, oh, this is. Access to Vivo saying he'd rather see the, the superhero talk that we did. 
<laughs> they, I don't know. Were you on that episode when we? Did I was not. Marvel? I was not. But oh, I did. Yeah, I did. Like... I did. Uh, I, I listened to it, but I was not on that chat. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, Christopher and Kunu. Actually, this is this is pretty dope. Actually, I'm really high on him. Um, so that is cool. I got uh, Gonzalo Quiz uh, from Portugal. Ah. Uh, so I got myself uh, another attacker there. Um, uh, Stefan Bacone uh, from Cameroon. So again, this is now our pack with the full attackers. Um, ooh, I got uh, another Belgian in Yannick Carrasco here. Played some left wing back the other day. I, I saw know. that. I know. Um, I think he played that at, at when he was at Atletico a lot. And Mbappe. Ooh. I got Mbappe. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna put together my five aside team. All right. Um, I don't I don't know if do I want to go goalkeeper? Yeah, I'm gonna go goalkeeper because why not? Um, okay. Uh so, and let me I'll guess three of them. It's okay. Ederson, Bruyne, and Mbappe. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well, it's a hard one there. Uh, yeah, of course. Um I'm just gonna put him in there. Um all right, so that's four, and I need one more. Who do I want? Um okay, there you go. I'm gonna go uh four and a keeper. Um so my five side squad is gonna be Anderson in goal slash yeah, essentially he can be a midfielder slash sweeper keeper defender anyway. Um De Bruyne, uh, Mbappe, I'm going in Kunu and Dennis Zakaria um in midfield. So I want a little bit of midfield grit, um, but a lot of attacking flair. So there's my Penny five aside team. Any comments? Would that five aside team beat Canada's best five aside team. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Who I, funny enough, I've opened up the pack, so I do have Alfonso Davies, um, and I do have Kamal Miller, and I have uh, Crepo in goal. Um, Who would, would their they best be? Five team be? Who would Canada's be best five aside team? Okay, so in goal, I actually in a five aside would go with Crepo over Borian. Uh, if if okay. you want, we're going to play a goalkeeper, which I would play um, as a sweeper keeper, um, I'd probably have Johnston, Estacchio, and Davies with David up top. Johnston, Estacchio. Okay. I, I'm going all chaos here, and okay. I'm going no defender. So give me Crepo. Mm-hmm. Cool. I actually agree with you. Um, and then I'll go Davies, Buchanan. Mm. I'd throw Junior Hoylet into that mix. Okay. And then Jonathan David. That's that's pretty solid. That is a pretty give me, solid. Give fight. me that five aside team. Yeah, I, I need I need to have at least one defender in there. Like I know Tejon. Oh, I know, I know. But like, I mean, oh, yeah. defending Alistair Johnson defender versus Tejon <laughs> defender. Mm. Right, and I've got enough. I think I've got enough attacking flair with Davies and David connecting uh, on that side. I got the futsal side. vibes going, man. That's all. My, that's all. I'm <laughs> on. Maybe Mo Farsi. Throw some Mo Farsi. Or Mo Farsi. I, look, he, the way he's playing for Columbus Crew too. Damn. Um, yeah, he's playing really well. Uh, thank you for indulging me in that. I know that's not everybody's favorite, but um, I thought it would be a little fun. Oh, if you're up, Jeff, I liked it. Yeah, exactly. If anybody's collecting stickers out there, let me know. Hit me up at Football Saves uh, on the on the Bird Box. Uh, let me know who you got. If you got doubles, um, all that kind of good stuff. Um, we'll quickly move into burning questions here and, and close the show. 
Um, all right. So first one uh, is from Jordan. Uh, and he's asking, should Canada be hosting more youth camps in conjunction with the senior team? So this is something quite common in world football where the senior team plays and like your U20s are also playing games as well uh, for those players that are about to make the jump into the senior team. Um, and I think this is in the prism of, you know, maybe having some players that are on the bubble that are younger, trying to decide whether they choose Canada or not. Um, so right. do you think Canada should be hosting more U20 uh, camps in conjunction with the senior team. I do. And saying I do, it's we've come a long way because we've just a couple of years ago, we're talking about hardly making up the senior team. But now we have depth, depth, and more depth. Mm-hmm. And you think back to the Canada U20 performance at the, the CONCAF there, and it was very underwhelming. Uh, they really underperformed. And I think a Big reason for that is because they did not spend a lot of time together. First time this team is sort of thrown together. Now, if you have more of the the younger camps in conjunction with the senior camps, you have the whole group coming together and you have an opportunity to, you know, nurture and develop players the way that the Canadian uh, national team would like to develop them. So I would like to see that just because I think it makes Canada a more competitive federation overall. And I know that, um, sorry, the whoever sent in the question, their point was they don't want to lose uh, dual nationals. I'm not sure how much that necessarily helps at this stage because I think Canada is really far behind in terms of their their youth system. I don't think playing for Canada's U21 team is as appealing for as playing for England's U21 team, but it at least gets them in the same environment. And it's... It's a step up. So it's just like having an academy, in my opinion. And I think you should utilize that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there should be opportunities. I mean, like going to the TFC2 game this past weekend, like Philadelphia Union 2 barely had, they had mainly an academy squad. And that's because a lot of their guys that are in Philadelphia Union 2 were part of the U.S. men's national team U20 camp that was running in conjunction with the senior camp. So you know, those opportunities to allow those players to, like you said, get into the environment, play, uh, play together and build some cohesion with each other as an age cohort that might jump to the senior level um, is important. Right. And it, again, it's just embedding you further into the program. And in the way that just using TFC as an example, the way that TFC and TFC two train, they train in the same facilities. They train on separate pitches. So the TFC two team will trade on the, the pitch that's adjacent to the one that the first team trains on. And then sometimes you'll have some TFC two players, the ones who are performing and, you know, or maybe TFC short in a position, whatever it is, they'll come over and they'll train with the first team. So they're not necessarily always training together, but just having them in that same environment, uh, I think that would go a long way in terms of the overall development together and having that cohesion and, and as I mentioned, for me, the biggest thing is just having that U20 team uh, prepared for major tournaments because, hey, look, the fact that they weren't prepared, that's what cost them a spot in the upcoming Olympics, right? If yeah. Canada is more prepared, I think they easily walk into the Olympics. But now it's uh, you're going to have to wait another, what, six years before yeah. they get that chance? 
Yeah, that's uh, it's uh, it's a disappointing thing um, at youth level, right? Um, and and I think there's there's opportunities there, and we'll see after the World Cup if that changes, um, because I think that desperately needs to change um, for the Southern Young players, especially as the CPL is starting to produce young professionals. Um, they need a place to play from a national perspective. Um, all right, next question is from Corey Brady. Just how much of a priority is it to get Luca Colio show his first cap on Tuesday? We just talked about this. Quite a bit, but very, <laughs> I think, is yeah. is where you would be going with that, Mike. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, yeah, as we've talked about on the show, I think the Federation needs to do whatever they can at this point. To look, I'm really, really high on this player. Like he, he has the potential to be so good. Is he on Alfonso Davies or Tejan Buchanan or? You know, players like that right now? No, but he has that potential, in my opinion, to be sort of that level of impact for this national team. Uh, he's the type of player that, you know, don't often come through Canada. You don't necessarily have the skilled uh, wingers that essentially come through this federation. I know we have them in abundance to some extent right now, but they're, Luka Kolios is different in, um, just the way that he plays, his touches are, are quicker, more refined, they're smaller, and he is he's rapidly fast. So mm-hmm. I would I would love to see him uh come in and and be part of this team moving forward. Uh Chris is saying Corbinu has that ability too, uh, in a different way. Corbinu is a skill, but he's he's got more flair, whereas Koliosho is is more direct. He's there, there's, there's something different about Kolyosha. You can get that by just, uh, by just watching him for a few minutes. He is, and I, that's why I hope we see him because I think he's going to excite a lot of people. Uh, just again, the way that he plays. So yeah, uh, and I think Corbin is is a pure winger, right? Like he is a winger um, in, in the way that he plays at this current stage in his career. Obviously, that can develop and he can become a little bit more direct. But I, I do agree that you know there's been so much hype around. Show it'd be interesting to see how he fits in with. I mean, we talk about the senior squad as if they're like a really old squad. The squad isn't that old, right? Like he's gonna get a chance to develop along a lot of these guys for a long time if he gets cap tied, right? So it's not like you know he's getting in and then he's gonna have to carry the load um in the next window, right? Like a lot of the players that are on that are part of this core right now on the national team are gonna be with this team for quite some time. Um, so, so that's, that's got to be exciting uh, if you're a national team fan. Uh, and we'll wrap up with this last question here. Uh, this was asked by a, a ton of people. So I want to credit to just one person because a lot of people asked this question, but it was just around, will John Herdman's, and we talked about it, loyalty, um, cost us in Qatar? And I'll answer just really quickly, just in terms of what do what how do you determine cost us like what does that necessarily mean i mean not getting out of the the first round mm, you know uh, to me it's more about i think it's it, i think it's a a reasonable thing for him to reward those who have committed to the program back in t- when he took over in 2018 and really sort of put the mark down in 2019 and then coming through the pandemic and going through you know, it's not just the Octo, right? It's a year. It's a year that these guys put in playing at, you know, on mini, essentially what almost look like mini pitches in Bradenton, Florida against the U.S. Virgin Islands, right? Like there is, 
I don't think it will cost us. I think if anything, all it does is strengthen the the sort of mission in the core of the team. And that only serves you well going forward. Will it make complete sense in Qatar all the time? Like around players like Daniil Henry, um, who may be out of form per se, or a Scott Kennedy who may be out of form potentially. But I think there's a bigger picture here than just Qatar, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with you. Like it's it it's a delicate balance, right? Because on the one hand, their biggest strength is that brotherhood that we often hear Herman and and the team and hey us. I know it's become kind of cliche at this point, but yeah, man, it's bang on. Like there is the brotherhood here, and that's what has been sort of the driving force for Canada throughout this World Cup qualifying run. But at the same time, you're you're going to a World Cup. Are you going to use sort of what got you here to this point, or are you going to try and take the next level with some of these players? There's that balance. And then some decisions you're going to have to go steer the ladder and go with what I believe is, is the next level. And that means cutting some ties with some players, or not necessarily cutting some ties, but leaving some guys behind that perhaps maybe got you here. But on the other hand, you're going to have players like a Daniel Henry who are just too valuable to, in some light, you know, and I say that because I chuckle because on the pitch, I don't think Daniel Henry has that same value anymore, but within the locker room, he does. So, yeah, he has some he has some really tough decisions to make, and either way, they're going to be scrutinized, and maybe if all goes well, they'll be praised. But, yeah, I don't know if it'll cost us necessarily because our expectations, as you're alluding to, Mike, are pretty low right now, realistically heading into our first World Cup since 1986. Yeah, for sure. And look, I I don't necessarily believe that we have to be on the we're just happy to be here train. Uh, But I do think there is it's okay to have some expectations of this team performing well and scoring a goal, obviously, and and potentially taking three points um, from one of these three teams. But to say it's going to cost us, um, I think is a little short-sighted in terms of the overall goal here, right? The goal is not to just make this World Cup and then just be okay because we're, we host the next World Cup. It's to start to build uh, a consistent sort of pipeline of going to the World Cup on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, I think you sort of answered what Axis's uh, question there, my statement, whatever you want to call it, was there. Uh, yeah, this is like Qatar is step one here in terms of what this this massive overhaul is john herman said like it takes federations 15 to 20 years to get to where they want to be and qatar is really just that first step so you got to look at it through sort of that lens is that as much as we like to joke unless we like to talk about canada being a footballing nation and, and them being competitors for this world cup like this is their first world cup in over 30 years the uh, this is the first time they have defied expectations. Heck, they didn't even have jerseys ready because their own federation didn't believe that they would make it to this point. Yeah. Right? They're defying everyone's expectations. And hopefully this World Cup is just something they can sort of build off of. And heck, while we're in it, I'll, I'll be cheering on Canada as much as I can and you know, talking about how Canada can make it out of the group. But the reality is that this is step one in sort of this whole whole process and access is saying you know there's no guarantee that we're ever going to return to the world cup well kind of do at least one there, there, there is there's one more guarantee <laughs> and that's 
four more years. So uh, looking at it through that lens, and also this is a this is a different Canada, and like this is a Canada that let's th- they breeze through qualifying because they're so much better than the Hondurases, the Panamas, the Costa Ricas now at this point of where we are now. They're in the same level as the Mexicos, the United States. They're a tier above everyone else. There's no guarantee you're right, but heading into the next cycle of qualifying in eight years, whenever that is, five years, Canada's going to be one of the favorites to make it out of their group. And that's how much it has... It's it's changed. So, uh, this again, this is a building block towards, I think, something much bigger. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you for everybody for submitting your questions this week for burning questions. Um, there were a lot of them. Obviously, the national team is a, is a hot topic amongst a lot of you. So we appreciate you dropping those questions in. And thank you to listen and thank you for listening to another uh, episode of Toronto Till I Die. Uh, we'll be back on the TFC grind next week reviewing uh, the last home match of the season against Miami. Um, it feels like the season has flown by, but we are at the last home game. Um, before they they take on Philly to end the season. Uh, and we're going to start a position breakdown uh, of the roster, you know, whose stock went up, whose has gone down over the season. Um, the and, season. Yeah, and, and why or why they shouldn't uh, stay on the roster for the 2023 season. Uh, and finally, uh, we'd love some reviews uh, for the pod. So give us a like and review on Spotify um, or on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that would be obviously a big help for us. Um, but that's it for the show. Um, for Mike Singh, for Jeffrey P. Nesker, I'm Mike Newell. See you all next week. Peace. And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die.